What is happening? Welcome to the Plus Pitch Podcast, your morning pitching podcast from PitcherList.com. My name is Nick Pollock. Today, we are going to talk about the Cleveland Guardians. And it's a little bit weird. I'm going to be talking about Shane Bieber here. He might be dealt. There's been a lot of speculation about Bieber being on the trading block. Makes sense. There's not much time left of him being a Guardian. And there's a rental to be had there with Bieber. And I think he's very interesting. I've been very anti-Bieber for a couple reasons. One, of course, 20% strikeout rate this past year. I was surprised in 2022 when he came back from the the injury uh, in 2021, and he didn't really look very good at the end of the season. I was very spooked about 2022. He proved me wrong over 200 innings and 200 strikeouts, and it was everything was cool. And this past year, uh, I was a little bit more encouraged. I think I had him inside my top 20. I should have. Um, maybe not top 15 because it's just like, yep, yeah, here's 200 strikeouts. This is great. Bieber didn't do that. It was a 20% K rate, 3.8 ERA across 128 innings. He was hurt. Um, he also had some elbow inflammation at the end. There is all of that injury stuff aside is like, okay, understand that about Bieber. Cool. Now I want to talk about the arsenal though. And we've seen Shane Bieber when he was at his best around 94 plus on the fastball down to 91 now which is obviously a concern. It's swing strike rate just down to 3.5%, which is horrible. Um, but 30% called strike rate. And I do want to lean into that a little bit. Um, the other aspects, of course, are his breaking stuff. And he was a major benefactor of sticky stuff. We know this. 2020 was insane. His spin rates were better. His breakers were better. He lost that. And he's not quite the same with a curveball or that slider. Both those pitches under 20% swing strike rates. And back then, I mean, he had an overall, I think, of a 19% swing strike rate of everything. So you can understand that. Um, So Shane Bieber, what I find so interesting about him is that he does get more induced vertical break on his four-seamer than I expected. It's actually kind of decent. And with that, he can do the low four-seamer approach well. Um, it's why he has such high called strike rates. It's also because he has these pitches that move a ton and seeing Bieber throw 35% four seamers means that that's only a third of the time. They can't expect this to be a four seamer that moves straight out of the hand. So it's low. They think it might move out of the zone and it stays there. It's a Zach Gallon approach. And that's good for a pitch that has a very high ICR, 43% overall, and is a problem more so, I believe, against lefties and righties. Uh, it's it can it's a big thing for Bieber to be able to get 30% called strikes. Three out of ten times he throws this, it's just not swung at and in the zone for a strike, and that's really good. The things that he needs to do better at are to lefties get that thing down for the oh man, I hate it so much. You guys know this up middle away fastballs to opposite hand batters are just bad. Don't do this. It is the the death zone to me where it's this just complacent strike that is not in the best interest of pitchers. It just, I can't express that enough. So Bieber needs to fix that one and bring that pitch down and focus more on the low four-seamer than just the away four-seamer. There's also the fact that the cutter got a little bit worse, the slider got worse, and the curveball got worse. And actually, I'm really surprised against lefties, the curveball disappeared. And that really was a big pitch from him in previous years. I think that that should come back against lefties. Um, I think it's just a fantastic strike pitch. And he saved it for two strike counts more often. The cutter and slider also switched a bit. And, you know, they, they really just changed their usage. Um, the cutter's more in the zone in the way that the slider used to, and the slider now is going out of the zone and more saved for two strike counts. I don't think that's necessarily the right play. Um, I think the slider is really good inside the zone. So what I can see are these actual 
changes inside of the approach of Bieber that could make him better. And if he does leave the Guardians, if let's say there's a trade with the Rays again, they steal Savali, now they're going to steal Bieber, or there there's an organization that actually could take advantage of this um, from Bieber saying, yeah, cool, we like the low four-seamer from you, um, and we just want to emphasize this curveball to lefties, we want to make sure that the fastball stays low. There are ways to get out of this 20% strikeout um, world that Bieber is in. And also I think the 40% ICR that he's currently in, because I think making these adjustments will make his four-seamer uh, better and more of a surprise. And also I think these adjustments will mean that the curveball will be used better or same with the slider and so on. So there are ways for Bieber to be much better than he was in 2024. And that's really cool. I've really checked out on Bieber in my initial rankings. I kind of saw him as why go after this. This is a Toby who's injured and clearly degrading as opposed to carrying upside from before. I don't think that he's anywhere near a 30% uh, strikeout pitcher again. I do think that there is a Holly in here that is a 24% strikeout rate with a 115-ish whip with a 3-6 ERA. I think there is a possibility for that. The biggest hesitation is if he stays with the Guardians and the Hipper 9 is still around 9 and the injuries are still there. So I'm not going to be expending a, a sizable draft pick in any fashion uh, on uh, on Shane Bieber. If he does go to an organization that is we know is good, <laughs> it's really just like the Astros, the Rays, and the Dodgers. I mean, maybe the Yankees. The Yankees at least are trying, and that's that's an important thing, you know. Am I, do I believe in them fully? No, but maybe. Um, I will note that if Shane Bieber does stay as a guardian. That is a fantastic thing. Why? Just for the first weekend of the season, it's the athletics. And in my drafts, if Shane Bieber is on my team in a 12-teamer, or sorry, at the end of my drafts, if he's around there in the 18th round and I need just things for the opening weekend, I find that I've grabbed maybe number four or number five starters. Just get Shane Bieber and see if anything is different and start him for that game against Oakland. You likely will get production. And then if you don't like it, if it's not really anything new, you could just move on from him and you get a bonus start. So the Guardians guys are really good for that, and Bieber being someone that isn't like Tanner Bybee or uh, Tristan McKenzie or Gavin Williams that are going to be pushed up in your drafts more, uh, you can steal an opening weekend start, and that's pretty cool if he's on the Guardians. Um, Tristan McKenzie we're going to go to next. Uh, and Tristan McKenzie, you can kind of push away his 2023. That was just ridiculous, and they just wanted him for a moment. What's interesting about McKenzie is that his four-seamer has a super, super high IVB. We're talking near 20 inches of induced vertical break, which is astounding. You know, I've been talking about guys and getting excited at 17 and then saying three inches the other way at 14 going, oh no, that's horrendous. Near 20 is unbelievably elite. Normally that comes with a VAA that is bad, that is detrimental, right? Nick Pavetta is a good example. That's a 0.7 for his 19 inches of IVB. Um, actually, maybe even be 0.5 there. Um, for McKenzie, it's actually at 1, which is okay. That means that if McKenzie's able to actually have a super high um, high lock, um, high location percentage, this will work to both sides of the plate. Uh, the problem is uh, he hasn't been able to do that. And he's very north-south. He's very much just middle, kind of like Lucas Giolito in this way. Reminds me of the Nile of pitches that are intertwined through the middle of the plate. I wonder if Sticks can figure this out to get better extension and to really focus up in the zone as much as possible. 
If he can do that, I think we'll see more than 13% swing strike rates on that uh, four-seamer um, that we've seen in the past. It was 12% in, uh, in 2022. And I think in we can see more. And what's kind of interesting to me about McKenzie is that once he gains more muscle in his lower half and doesn't have the nickname Sticks anymore, which is an inevitability, over time he's going to gain muscle mass and work out better. That's always the exciting part of McKenzie to me as he fills out he'll get more stability. That's generally what that means. Sometimes it is velocity. Other times it's just consistency with your mechanics because you're less wobbly as you go through it. You just have more strength to be able to flow better. Um, so McKenzie could be getting that now. Um, and over time, I think just gains that. So that's cool. His curveball is going to be amazing forever. I mean, that's just Tristan McKenzie's life is just the best curveball. And I'm excited to see that uh, come to fruition um, again. If he can keep that down, like this is just, it's going to be his major pitch, his secondary pitch. It's great. Slider is a question mark for me. Uh, the changeup is a good strike pitch, good whiff pitch. It's all the things we want, and it only gets better when that four-seamer stays up and he executes a full Blake Snell blueprint. The slider has acted as a strike pitch, and it's kind of funny to me. I don't really want it to be. I want McKenzie to be really focused on making this a big whiff pitch down in glove side instead of just trying to get it in the zone. I think there needs to be that mental shift uh, with it. He's he's good at getting it away, but he's not good at getting it down. Um, I think his, uh, his XM lock, I don't talk about that one much, but that is middle hor- uh, vertically, right? I know it sounds weird to say X and vertical, but it's along the X axis that is zero. Um, and that's middle of the X axis. But anyway, <laughs> uh, that is too much of the slider. And that in glove side is everything. He doesn't do it arm side at all, but he just doesn't get it down. And I think over time, we will see that separation, four-seamer and slider, and that would be really good. So I'm actually really excited about Tristan McKenzie this upcoming year. He's been a pitcher I've been looking at for a while of, I think, over time does develop it. And the fact that the four-seamer, even at 92, 93 for McKenzie, has such good IVB that there really is more to hit here. And there's such potential if it does click. The fact that he's coming off of this injury where he just missed all this time, his draft stock is outside of your four right outside of your sp4 stuff so he's absolutely someone i'm targeting where tristan mckenzie you'll know early on does he have the same velocity does he is he hurt right we can move on you can make a quick decision with tristan mckenzie yes he's going to have some cherry bomb tendencies i think over time mckenzie does get better so i'm kind of i'm, I'm very much intrigued with him and he might get that opening rotation spot in the opening weekend um, we're going to talk about others. Tanner Bybee, Gavin Williams, of course, Logan Allen. Um, and the guys on the periphery, uh, one got traded that was Cody Morris uh, to the Yankees. So I'm going to save him for the Yankees one, which is actually kind of interesting. Um, but they also have two prospects as well who should be on your radar. And we're going to talk about all of those after this break. Tanner Bybee is someone that I just heavily disagree with the consensus. And I understand why everyone likes Tanner Bybee. You see a, a, a rookie season, 142 innings. Of a 298 ear rate and a 118 whip and 24% K rate. And everybody, the, the general idea is, hey, rookie season is one thing, but you generally get better, right? You develop as a prospect. You These are skills from the first year, and oh my gosh, you just improve. No, I'm going to say it's like the Chris Paddock situation of such a good first year and then just falling off the table. Um, I think Tamron Bybee breaks the Wasker rule, Wasker Noah rule. If you don't remember that one, that is you have a really good... Uh, slider and nothing else to support it. His four seamer, even though he quote says Verdi, and he actually does have a lot of high lock, just has a terrible fastball shape. It is not a pitch that should succeed up in the zone. 
He does not have the VAA to support it. He does not have the induced vertical break to support it. So I don't expect this pitch to perform well in 2024. I just don't. The only pitch that really works for him, actually, I take that back. The the There are two pitches that work for him. And really, Tanner Bybee, the best comp I have is Carlos Carrasco. Because Carlos Carrasco is someone without a dominant four-seamer who actually looked at the same sh- shapes, actually had a slightly better VAA on his. But like, think of that, right? Where Carrasco was exclusively or really focused on a devastating slider against right-handers and then had a devastating changeup against left-handers. Tanner Bybee works in the same way. The slider is not as good as I want it to be. It had an amazing ICR, both the slider and the changeup overall, about 30% for combining right-handed and left-handed. But really, think of the slider as the right-handed pitch. He didn't have a 20% plus swing strike rate on it. His command of it is susceptible. It is it is not as good as you want it to be. And it drives me bonkers. Uh, he th- pitches a little cross-body toward third base, which would make sense. Which may understand, which explains to me a little bit of the command problems, but that slider to me is—it's a good pitch. Don't get me wrong; it's why he's here, and it's great. Is that enough with the changeup? And the changeup to left-handers is great. He, he keeps it too high, but it was effective a ton against lefties. It was um, enemy number one for them. But with such a bad four-seamer, he throws about forty-seven percent of the time, close to fifty percent of the time. 25% CSW last year, 42% ICR, that's about half of your pitches, and only had a 63% strike rate, which is kind of crazy too. That to me just showcases a pitcher who is going to have more problems than you want him to have. And I'm not saying that I don't want Tanner Bybee on any team. I'm not saying that. But I've seen him go in the top 30 of starters consistently, and this is a cherry bomb. This is not a dependable every five days I'm go- I've got my ace going kind of pitcher. I'm very scared about this. It's very possible that there is another pitch that he adds to it. Maybe that four-seamer goes from a 17% called strike rate up to 20-24. Maybe he can do the Shane Bieber of getting that pitch low instead of up. He has Save Verde on his glove, though. But maybe he can turn it into a called strike pitch. I mean, you can't be Save Verde and with a 9% overall swing strike rate on your fastball, Bybee. That's bad advice. Save Verde with your mechanics. But not your four-seamer. So, yeah, I just, I don't like it. I don't like it. I don't trust this as a command pitcher. And to see him so, if I'm if I'm a batter going up to the plate, I am hunting fastballs and then being aware of the one secondary. Sometimes he does those sliders against lefties. Fine. He actually does a decent job, I think, against them. Yeah. But yeah, and the curveball cannot be trusted whatsoever. I mean, that's too low of a strike rate. Okay, um, that's Tanner Bybee. I like Gavin Williams more. And I originally had Gavin Williams above Bybee back in October when I did the top 200. And I'm going to be having him in uh, my top 300 that comes out in February above Tanner Bybee. Why is that? Because I think the foundation of Gavin Williams is better. 12% swing strike rate on the four-seamer is not what you want it to be. However, it's better... IVB, it's a better uh, overall four-seamer with Gavin Williams that makes me believe that it can be a foundation to trust uh, moving forward. The There are approach things that need to get tweaked. Um, I said it before and I'll say it again. I hate it when guys throw away middle with their fastball to opposite-handed batters. That's what Gavin Williams does. And it drives me nuts. Uh, but I think that his four-seamer generally does go upstairs more. 
Um, it has a uh, surprisingly blah IVB um, at 15, 14.7, which is not good. One VAA, which is okay. It's the extension of 7.5 that really makes it different for Gavin Williams and allows him to go upstairs and have a 12% swing strike rate already while not being the perfect location guy. I also think that uh, when Gavin Williams is able to locate a bit better with his secondaries, things will come together as well. Um, the curveball should not be a sub-60% strike rate. The slider is the major pitch for him, and there were some inconsistencies with that one. I think over time that does get better and stays low, and I think you are going to see a Blake Snell blueprint here for Gavin Williams. I uh, I wish the IVB was closer to like 16. I expected it to be much higher. Seeing it under 15 is shocking to say the least. I do think that seeing the results that we have so far of a 12% swing striker already, the 44% ICR is really bad, but that makes more sense due to location, especially against right-handers who, uh, sorry, left-handers who did far better against that fastball than uh, than against right-handers. Um, I think there is a lot to like here. There is a big question of left-handers. Is that fastball going to be utilized the right way? And can the slider and curve do enough? Generally, you look for a change up there. You don't have one, maybe a cutter. You don't have one. So the slider and the curveball are really going to have to live low. Really take a book from Shane Bieber a bit of getting those breaking balls down in middle. But if Gavin Williams can really focus on that four-seamer command and nail that, uh, you're going to see the games like he did against the Jays, uh, where it was just like 12 strikeouts in seven innings, and then everyone was upset at me for saying that he was a sit against a great offense, and Gavin Williams hadn't done anything remotely like that before. But yeah, no, I don't remember that whatsoever. It's fine. Uh, <laughs> I'm just joking, guys. Uh, it makes sense to be upset. I didn't acknowledge the upside of Gavin Williams there. Um, but uh, but Gavin Williams, I do like more than Bybee because of this, and also because I can kind of see more, and it's going to be less volatile. There's an argument to be made for both. Um, the fact that Tanner Bybee has a slider that works against right-handers and a changeup that works for lefties does make it seem like he can do the Guardians method more often, while Gavin Williams is low IVBN's four-seamer makes my gamble with his four-seamer, um, or my emphasis on it, a little more questionable. It just seems more believable to attain a higher ceiling with Gavin Williams than it does with Bybee, because I think there's just no solution um, for the four-seamer. And the best is Carlos Carrasco, and he does not have Carlos Carrasco secondaries quite yet. Um, the last one to talk about, and then of course the other fringe guys and prospects, is Logan Allen. He's at best of Toby. Uh, it's a changeup that is decent against right-handers. Um, it's a good ICR against him. Keeps him down and away. He sometimes actually goes lefty sliders down and in, which is, uh, sorry, sliders down into righties, which is what you want to see, like the Cole Reagans. Um, the four-seamers, it's so mediocre. And unfortunately, he doesn't have the massive swing strike rate you want from a slider, on a, you know, uh, same-handed slider uh, from a lefty. It doesn't have the same swing strike rates against left-hand batters, which is not good. And, it, you know, you watch a game of of Logan Allen and you'll see exactly what I'm talking about. Like, yeah, he's the Toby at best. So uh, maybe decent for quality start leagues. The 22% strikeout rate, I think, is a gift. Um, I think it's going to be closer to 20% this year. He's not really someone I'm focused on in my drafts. And considering, I believe the Guardians get the uh, they get the Mariners, and actually that might not be a good offense. So you might want to consider that for Logan Allen if you're desperate for a quality start in the first week as a stream. But uh, he might actually be my stream pick of the day because of this. But yeah, he's not really someone that I want to be chasing in any leagues. 12, 15 teamers, ugh. 
I can see AL onlys as you are going to get innings from Logan Allen. Like they will let him go six innings constantly. I don't, I don't think that Terry Francona moving on is really a big deal for uh, limiting the innings of the Guardians pitchers. Um, I think it's still going to be very much of a mindset of the team. Um, let's say Shane Bieber gets dealt. Who steps up? Well, there are three guys that the Guardians used last year who could be right there in the rotation. There's Xavier Curry, and he throws a lot of strikes, four-seamer sliders and curves. Um, all of them returned over a 63% strike rate, but none of them have whiffability. None of it is really that consistent, and I really do not want to be trusting Xavier Curry if he does get that opportunity. Jaime Berea was picked up as a minor league deal. Um, if you remember him from the uh, the Angels, uh, he has a slider that is everything to him as a 70% strike rate. Um, and everything else is not very good, and you don't want to trust that. Hunter Gaddis got some moments last year. Uh, none of his pitches earned a 9% swing strike rate. So, <laughs> none of them. Uh, yeah, you don't want to go through any of those three. So, the interesting ones are prospects. One that we've been waiting on for ages is Daniel Espino, uh, who has just been dealt injury after injury. Uh, missed all of 2023 with a shoulder injury, so we do not expect him to jump into the rotation anytime soon. They're likely going to uh, hold him back and make sure that he's okay through 2023. Or sorry, 2024. If he is looking amazing, maybe we'll see him by the end of September. He was a first-round pick in 2019. 101 mile per hour fastball with an amazing slider when he's good. Um, the real interesting one is Joey Cantillo. Um, and I can see him making a play even out of camp for the uh for the guardians if there is no one else if bieber gets dealt and they don't sign anybody and they don't get someone back joey cantillo is the easily the most interesting uh prospect 111 strikeouts in 95 triple a frames so that's there you go however four six four era one five two whip and a 13 percent walk rate fine get it i understand he's a lefty slinger and he has a filthy changeup and devastating slider. And the 94 mile per hour fastball is not like the most overwhelming thing, but it is from a lefty slinger. Uh, he's likely going to be a cherry bomb uh, starter. He has more of an over the top delivery than the normal slingers I talk about, which are more uh, three quarters or even sidearm. Uh, that does give me some hope about consistency in getting that command. But uh, you likely will be making decisions of, oh man, do I go after Joey Cantillo? He'll get called up. We don't know. He might have an amazing start. He'll be a cherry bomb guy. He has the shag rug, as we know, from all prospects. But I would be shocked if we don't see Joey Cantillo pretty early in the season as someone will get hurt or Bieber will get dealt. And that is their next option because Curry, Berea, and Gaddis are just not it. Um, all right. That is it for today. Thank you all so much for supporting the cast. And yeah, we're back, baby. We've got these podcasts running and going throughout the year. I won't have one on New Year's Day, but then outside of that, we're just going to go through the rest of the uh, the rotation of all the podcast. Uh, sorry, of all the we're going to go through all the podcasts of all the rotations. I can say things. I got to get back in my groove. But that is it for today. Thank you all so much for tuning in, um, and make sure, of course, you subscribe to the podcast and sign up for PL Plus or PL Pro. PL Plus gets access to our Discord and an ad-free version of the website. It's under $100 a year. It's the best way to support what we do. Um, thank you all so much for our community, our massive one for uh, hanging out with us. I mean, our Discord during the offseason is alive, believe it or not. We don't go dark. We talk about all the signings. We make fantasy uh, trades and give advice. Um, it is the best fantasy baseball Discord there is. 
And it's because it's gated by the subscription. We don't have people trolling us. And I think the best case I can make about our Discord, we've only had to ban two people in six years. Um, one of them left an Infinity War spoiler and another person was insanely racist. So we got rid of those two people and we've had no one else even come close to them. Uh, it is the best community of over a thousand people. Um, I think it's actually 1500 now of just talking about baseball, just as passionate as you guys. So you can get PL Plus to sign up, uh, uh, sign up today and be a part of that for under $100 a year. Or of course, you can get PL Pro to get access to all my rotation articles before they are public. You get access to all of our PLV apps when they are no longer free starting in February. And of course, the Auction Draft Calculator, our live draft assistant tool, um, our 2024 projections, which by the way, V1 is out now. Our 2024 PLV projections, which are built from the ground up, uh, completely different from last year's. We have no ATC built into it. It is a new system. Kyle Bland um, has been working on it all year, and uh, we're really proud of it, actually. It's looking great so far. Um, and also, Kyle is right there to answer any questions you have uh, with those projections and understanding their weights and everything. They are awesome. It's V1, and we're going to have new iterations of it as we refine and refine and refine, but we really like how these look now. Um, so get access to all of that with PL Pro. But that is it. Thank you all so much for sticking around. You guys are the best. Uh, my name is Nick Pollock, and may your battles be low and your strikeouts high.